Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs and where we always push the limits of our understanding. A big Happy New Year to all. We are your hosts, Joe Landry and Roy Olford. This is the first show of 2024, and we're glad to have you here with us for a new lineup of topics as we start to make another pass around the sun, as I like to say. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, Lori, in 2023, we took the program into some new directions and into some new territory, so to speak. As you recall, we explored subjects that are a little more uh, abstract, ones that surround the notions of metaphysics, uh, the mind, immortality, and the mystery of our consciousness. You know, like, what is it that brings uh, all of the substance of our minds together? What is really going on inside of our thought processes? So we asked some pretty deep and complex questions about the human mind and about spirituality, which are uh, deep and difficult uh, topics to sometimes ponder. Yeah, right. And we also got into some other issues that are a little, I'll say, uh, controversial and prone to uh, lead to hot debate, uh, such as the end times and biblical prophecy and the existence of a Messiah who many believe is going to return. Now, not to mention the idea of our origins being more extraterrestrial than many would consider or even uh, want to really believe. But we also hit on some current events that you and I thought pertinent to discuss on the show, such as the Chinese spy balloon, the uh, 911 call that made the news about a giant alien in Las Vegas, and some of the latest headlines about government disclosure and how Congress is as well as the American people, are passionately wanting more answers about ETs and UFOs. So in 2023, we touched on quite a few issues that are very active and relevant in people's minds. Obviously, the Internet is ablaze with all this stuff, and there are links and articles everywhere that cover it. Yeah, and even in a day and age when news and information of all kinds is disseminated around the world in a matter of seconds, we find that the subject of alien life is one of the most dominant. So according to a Gallup poll in 2021 that was reported by CNN, 75% of Americans now believe that alien life exists somewhere in the universe. And that's up a few points from the ones that were conducted um, just a few years, or I should say you know, five years or more before that one in 2021. So this whole trend is becoming something of a cultural phenomenon. People are taking more notice of the stories and the reports. And with that, Alien Talk Podcast is now entering the ninth season with the start of the new year. And that, I think, attests to the growing interest out there in the ancient astronaut theory and, you know, just the existence of extraterrestrial intelligence in in general. Yeah, I think you are precisely correct about that, Joe. Even more uh, clergymen in the church involving you know more than one denomination are starting to discuss this topic of alien life. They're trying to explain to their congregations what their thoughts are about it, as well as how you know they think it fits into Scripture and God's plan. That that seems to be happening more frequently now, even though some of them still teach it as being nothing more than a manifestation of Satan. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely. Uh, an issue that is on the move among people, and we can all see that. And for this year, our plan here uh, at Alien Talk Podcast is to get more out into our into other domains 
um, you know, and and present um, to you some episodes of what other podcasters and book authors have have to say about all of this. So we have more guests who are due to come on the show who have done some specific research into these subjects or even have had some close encounter experiences themselves to tell about. Um, what we would like to do is to have more people on so you are not just hearing our two boring voices all the time. <laughs> yeah, we can be quite the chatterboxes, Laurie. Yeah. <laughs> you're right about that. Um but that's how it is when you're passionately interested in something. You can get very talkative and very long-winded, as we do. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel like we are similar to those Sunday morning long-winded preachers. <laughs> I don't think we're nearly that bad. <laughs> um, not. So, of course, uh, we have had guests on quite a few times since the show began back in 2021. But it's always been kind of sporadic. Uh, we would like to start making that more of the norm. Uh, we have episodes with guests with a guest speaker on and as it is for our show after this one we've invited nancy thames to come on some of you may actually have listened to her on other podcasts or seen her on youtube uh, she is an extra extraterrestrial experiencer who has reportedly made contact with other alien and interdimensional life forms on several occasions and nancy has also worked for the u.s department of defense and she currently maintains a website uh, that facilitates open dialogue with people who, like her, are said to have had numerous encounters with ETs. And I'm sure she'll have some fascinating things to relate to us from her unique knowledge, as well as a share from her professional experience with the government, uh, particularly as to why she believes we are getting closer uh, and getting nearer to a full disclosure. Yeah, and we are planning to have, uh, planning on having uh, quite a few guests uh, lined up for this season, hopefully, uh, who have uh, some fascinating stories to share, yeah, and not to mention some meaningful insight into many of the subjects that we've brought before here on the show. However, for today, we're going to cover an incident that mostly seems to have been just glossed over in the annals of the UFO stories, and that is the one that occurred in Virginia, uh, Brazil, in 1996. And of course, it always makes me wonder when when a story like this gets kicked to the cur to the side, uh, kicked to the curb, just like the Trinity incident. That one was huge, and yet almost nothing about it surfaced for a long time. So when you get such little coverage, it could be because something really significant came about from it. I, I mean, I myself never really gave this one too much thought until just recently. But anyway, I mean, this is quite an amazing story. In fact, the city of Virginia, uh, Brazil, was so affected by it that they built a, a water tower there in the shape of a flying saucer. But this reminds me of a, a lot of what happened in the town of Clarenville, Newfoundland, where the, the folks were so influenced and impacted by the UFO sighting there, they named their hockey team the Clarenville UFOs. So it's one of those places where the encounter or the event is so pronounced that it literally leaves a permanent mark on it. Right. It is a pretty dramatic tale. Uh, this is sometimes called Brazil's Roswell, and it occurred in the city of Virginia, which is about 240 miles northwest of Rio de Janeiro. Uh, it's in a pretty forested area. Uh, just like with the actual Roswell incident, this entire account involves a crash of an object from the sky 
the appearance of a being or multiple beings who are not from Earth and who are said to have come from out of that crash, the removal of wreckage debris, all under tight security, the death of the beings, and the secretive whereabouts of the body or bodies, a myriad of conflicting and inconsistent witness reports, and of course, a whole lot of cover-ups. So it began on January 20th, 1996, with three young girls named uh, Lilian Silva, Alquiera Silva, and Katia uh, Javier, uh, who were outside on a warm winter's day in tropical Brazil. I, I guess at that time of year, it's summer down there. Uh, anyway, it, it was then that they witnessed a strange alien-looking creature lurking around. At the moment they saw it, they immediately thought it was the devil himself, and they became very frightened. Uh, the women described it as having a, a large head with large red eyes and a rather sinister in appearance. And notice also how the girls described the alien as having, you know, those red eyes. Like, uh, remember how we mentioned another creature described as having red eyes? The Mothman, right? Uh, Many believe that this was a possible alien sighting as well and was more commonly referred to as a Mothman because it looks so much like a moth, just a lot larger. Um, Maybe it looked like that uh, that guy in uh, the Aquaman movie, the uh, the bad guy. I can't remember his name. But he's got these big red eyes glowing. Um, so, but but you but we can see you know with all of this, we can see all these similar stories from all over the place, and they're connected to some in some way or another. Yeah, and of course, reports of sightings of cryptids uh, like this are pretty common throughout Latin America. You know, considering that there's a plethora of wildlife in the jungles and rainforests, some of which is inhabited by species that are yet to be uh, identified. And there are a lot of chupacabra stories uh, and similar stories like that in that region. So this sighting later became known as the E.T. de Virginia. And uh, all the three of the girls said, uh, both then as children and today as adults, that the thing was not human. They told reporters that they were so frightened by what they had seen that they became numb with fear, paralyzed. They they couldn't move. And after a few minutes of staring at the thing in just sheer terror, the thing, which they said was rather tiny, uh, it had limped off. And then the three girls uh, ran home and then told her mother about what happened. And they also said that the creature looked sick or possibly injured since it seemed to have difficulty with walking steadily, it, it kind of just limped and staggered around and, you know, limped away. So now their story came a few days after another one in which witnesses reported seeing a UFO in the sky, which subsequently crashed. Yeah, so so this should sound familiar, and that's because it unfolds in much the same way as did the uh, the Las Vegas alien incident that occurred earlier this year. Um, as you recall, with that, a there was a bright ball of light, like a meteor or something that was falling. I guess it was seen falling from the sky over Las Vegas, which, by the way, was caught on a uh, police body camera. Um, and then just 30 minutes later, there is a 911 call from uh, the teenager named Juan from somewhere in the city who says that he sees an eight foot alien in his backyard. So he, too, said that he was numb with fear after making eye contact with it. Um, but with, with this one in Virginia, there are reports that give a more detailed description of the object that they had witnessed. 
And one witness named Carlos de Souza claimed that it was a spacecraft and that it was shaped like a submarine that was about to about the size of a school bus. And he also said that he could see white smoke leaking out of it and that it looked like a malfunctioning washing machine with the way it was, you know, rocking and jerking around as it careened to the ground. And this made me think that the craft was badly damaged by something. Um, yeah. And later there were others saying that they saw, uh, you know, the, the strange looking being. So apparently there was more than one and uh, they seemed like they were hurt uh, or fatally ill. Um, and then they were at a nearby hospital. Uh, so at a nearby hospital, the, the whole place was inundated with um, military and government personnel. It was essentially blocked off. I mean, it was off limits to anybody else except for uh, personnel who were there, um, you know, doing whatever they had to do for this being that was in the hospital. And no one else was allowed to go inside. Now, there was a, a, even a report of a police officer uh, dying after having handled the, the alien. Uh, or one of them, uh, according to a blog on GadgetOnus.com uh, by Brett Jackson, dated November 9th, 2022, Marco Eli Charis died after receiving a generalized infection from touching the extraterrestrial body. Uh, there are statements from Charis's family members and other witnesses who were close to him and, and close to the case, and they said that he may have actually died more not from a, an infection, but from the creature's claws, and that he was attacked by it, uh, like a chupacabra. Yeah, and in a featured documentary made by De Sousa, uh, Charisse's sister, Martha Tavares, uh, is interviewed where she says that she was informed about her brother having acute um, um due, to, due from being exposed to toxic chemicals. None of the medical files ever confirmed that, but, you know, Charisse um, supposedly also had some pretty bad lacerations on her, on, on his body, which could mean he was viciously attacked by something with sharp claws. Uh, a cardiologist named uh, Cesario Lincoln Furtado, who looked at uh, Charisse, came forward years later to say he does not know at all how he died. To him, the cause of death was a mystery that he has, had not been able to explain. The Martha continued to, to this, um, continued to uh, investigate this to look for the proof that her brother was killed by an alien, either from being attacked by it or from you know some kind of uh, of contamination from it. The Brazilian government, not surprisingly, refuses to say anything. Of course. Now, to be sure, whenever these kind of stories start to get some attention, a lot of hysteria starts to follow. This one is no exception. There was even a news outlet that ran an excerpt in Portuguese that one of the three girls, uh, either Liliana, Valquera, or Katia, it didn't specify which one, might have been impregnated by this creature. Uh, of course, there is no confirmation of that at all. So we're always going to get that. A lot of things that seem like hoax or conspiracy theory. And there are indeed going to be a lot of details and versions of the various accounts and how they are inaccurate and, and completely false. So that, that is a given. And we must, you know, we, what we must do is be sober-minded investigators and look at the facts that we have, not at what we can speculate from the most impassioned or the most extraordinary testimonies that are, are made available. 
So what we do know is that something happened. Something crashed. People saw that something crash, and government agencies did get involved with it and then kept it quiet. And actually, with this incident, it appears that not only the Brazilian Air Force, but also the U.S. Air Force was involved. Uh, according to Michael Schellenberger with the New York Post, dated October 29, 2022, there were reports that two creatures, at least two, were captured by Brazilian soldiers and police officers and then taken to a hospital. And with that, they were turned over at, at that, after that point, after they were left the hospital, I, I guess the, the creature was taken out of the hospital, it was turned over to the U.S. military. And these bodies, um, unknown if they were alive or dead at that point, were taken away to an unknown location. Yeah, and also that there are several people who have come forward to say they are eyewitnesses. Now, granted that many of them don't go public right away. That's typical with a lot of uh, major UFO incidents or any major occurrence for that matter. Um, however, with this case, the three girls gave a statement to uh, to the press pretty close to the time that they saw the creature and also gave the same account when they were interviewed as grown adults for the docu- uh, for the documentary. Um, there is also a former air traffic controller uh, who said that, you know, more than a, there was more than a few American uh, helicopters that landed unannounced in uh, Campinas uh, near Virginia in order to collect something. Uh, and then they went away. Now, interestingly enough, there is a whistleblower who, um, excuse me, who, who uh, shall remain or, or who remained completely anonymous, as you might guess. And he claims that he was involved with transporting the body of one of these alien creatures from the hospital to the air base in Campanius, where it was given over to the U.S. Air Force. So he goes only by the name of Military X, and he has come forth with his testimony to various journalists and filmmakers, uh, one of them being James Fox, who produced the uh, 2022 documentary titled Moment of Contact. Now, Joe, you and I have actually been able to get a hold of some of these pictures and correspondence by Military X, and we're able to look them over ourselves. Right. So they're emails with photo attachments. Uh, the text is in Portuguese, but the photos, which are black and white, show objects in the sky. And the ones we saw didn't have the alien body. Now, there is another guy who has gone forward, has come forward with his account, a UFO, ufologist named Vittorio Pacicini, who said that back in 2012, uh, a senior Brazilian officer showed him a 35-second video clip of one of the aliens. I guess you can call being you know, taken into custody at that point, uh, as it was then going to be transported away by the soldiers. Now, he also talked to James Fox and described what he saw in the clip, which was that this creature had brown skin and that it had an oily or greasy coating on its body uh, and it had a big head with large red eyes and no pupils. He said the face was like that of a reptile and it had three uh, protuberances um, on the top of its head, like horns. Additionally, he said that the thing seemed like it was about to die, and it made this buzzing sound, like like a bee. So supposedly, Pacassini uh, has received death threats uh, for his local writing about this story over in Brazil. This has compelled him to move out of the country. He now currently lives in Italy. 
We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. Yeah, that or uh, he was really terrified by because that description you just gave. No wonder they thought of that it was a devil. <laughs> yeah. um, but now a few things are important to note and elaborate upon in what we just mentioned um, is that there are many who will naysay and assert that the whole thing is a big hoax. And it is true that we can't completely rule out that as a possibility, I guess. But, I mean, it could very well have been an elaborate concoction. Uh, but, I mean, let, let's look at the details first before the assumptions are made. Uh, because first, you know, we, we must ask the question, why? Like, why was this reported in this particular place at this particular time? And you, you even have reports from NORAD where they're advising the Brazilian military of an object that's entering their airspace. Right. Why was this thing reported at all? Why Why do we have several reports that actually uh, corroborate, like you're saying? Not only do we have this local report in Virginia, but we have uh, information from NORAD you know, corroborating and saying the same thing. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these three girls that we were, you mentioned, uh, they describe this alien as being sick and injured, like we said. And that is a detail that seems strange to fabricate. I mean, what would be the purpose of saying that? Why sick and injured? Why not uh, fierce and aggressive? Or or for that matter, even sweet and lovable, like our little pal E.T., right? <laughs> um, you don't like him, Joe. <laughs> uh, he's okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, whatever they saw, even if it was a human, their emotional response to it was fear. Uh, that is the most reasonable expectation to be gathered from hearing them say that they were afraid. And so it is just as reasonable to presume that they at least perceived it as being injured or in bad shape because that's what they said. So we can ask the same questions in the case of that teenager named Juan, uh, who was in Las Vegas and made that report about the eight foot tall creature that he saw in his yard. You know, you ask, why would he make this up and go as far as calling 911? Now, we can't rule out the possibility that he did feign the whole thing for whatever reason, you know. Um, But calling it in the way he did, it certainly does up the ante in terms of telling a tall tale. Um, You can get in trouble for making a false report, right? So you have something to risk now. Uh, You have to ask, you know, what is a more reasonable expectation that he would be willing to risk getting caught making a false report? Uh, and getting into serious trouble just for the sake of pulling off a gag, or that he truly believed himself that he saw something, don't know what, um, and that really could be anything, and that that something frightened him enough to call for help. Yeah, and all of this, coincidentally, 30 minutes after a meteor is seen exploding into air by other people elsewhere in the city. And that kid and his family had no charges brought against them for false reporting to law enforcement. 
that incident was captured on police body cam footage as the object entered the atmosphere. The video footage of the officers entering the backyard was not made available, which is very strange because nothing is normally withheld from the public being able to see it. So the body worn, the body cam footage, the worn by an officer is also public record, just like a police report is. So, you know, we find the same paradigm here uh, with the you know, Virginia UFO and, and, and alien or aliens. We don't have the physical evidence, but a lot of the pieces do line up. And those pieces, of course, are the testimonies given by people who were there at that time and claimed to have seen something, something that scared them, that frightened them, that made them go numb um, when they saw it. Right. And like you mentioned the uh, the Las Vegas alien. I mean, we did cover that story pretty thoroughly uh, back in the summer. And just like to encourage our listeners, if you haven't already to go and, and listen to that episode, uh, it's titled The Las Vegas Alien. Uh, so we can also say that, um, you know, in terms of these witnesses that had emotionally shocked them uh, with what they saw and had psychologically impacted them in the way of their behavior in telling these stories. Um, meaning they exhibit such fear and, and almost um, like paralysis, for no lack of a better word. Certainly that factor does not in and of itself mean that they saw an alien. Um, that is, we have to be honest about that. But it was a reaction to something that they perceived as not normal and thus frightening. Now, when this whole story broke in 1996, the... Uh, Brazilian government official explanation for the sighting of this creature and any others is that the Virginia uh, had a significant homeless population at the time, probably still does. Uh, and some of those homeless uh, people were dwarfs. And one in particular uh, had the name of Mundino, and he was apparently one of special needs or possibly mentally ill. So, could that greasy-looking and sickly-looking little E.T. mistakenly be one of these individuals? Well, the girls say no, that it was something else. And, you know, that it, it, it could be one of these um, homeless people, but they're saying that it wasn't. That's, and they, they were asked that question directly, and they denied that. And there's always going to be alternative hypothesis to something when we do lack that discrete and tangible evidence that can you know, be openly examined by anybody. And even with Roswell, there were other explanations put forth about the witness claims, you know, like uh, particularly the, the alien autopsies. Uh, witnesses claim they had seen the alien autopsies. If you remember, one of them uh, was that uh, the explanations for seeing these bodies was that the medical facility was uh, working on humans. So these, these, these weren't aliens, they were humans of airmen who were killed in a plane crash, if you recall that part of the story. Yeah, see, this story play does play a, uh, out a lot like Roswell with reports of the alien bodies being seen under close guard, as well as a crash site surrounded by a large army presence that cleans up the entire place, not leaving a scrap. And also like Roswell, you have somebody saying that um, uh, saying they actually touched a piece of the debris. De Souza told Fox that he was able to pick up a fragment that looked like it was aluminum. And he said it was like a sheet and was very light. And it fell like a feather to the ground. Uh, and when he crumpled it, it would go back 
uh, back to its original shape. And this is exactly the way the American private described the debris pieces found at the Roswell crash. Right. So that last part you just mentioned, that does sound a lot like what was re have reported in, in the Roswell crash. I, I remember that uh, being one of the, the witness statements is that a soldier had picked up a piece of the debris and uh, he crumpled it up like to a, a tight ball and then he let it go. It just went right back to its original shape, like as if it had no wrinkles or creases in it. Yeah, and, and that's what stuck out at me as well when I read this. Uh, you know, I was reading up on this, is that was that same thing. And to that soldier, that private uh, with the Roswell incident, he uh, it shocked him. He's, he's never seen anything like that before. So, but now it's also important to point out that Virginia, that the Virginia incident also involved complaints about a wretched smell. Like uh, and there's an article by Frank Chung, uh, Chung on uh, Australian website news.com.au uh, dated uh, October 28th of 2022. And many of the residents of Virginia uh, complained about the smell of rotten eggs in the, the days after the object had crashed. And DeSouza mentioned that he immediately smelled ammonia or you know something like rotten eggs when he got out of his car. He said it was a very strong smell, so strong that his eyes started to water and that he had to cover his nose with his shirt. It was so strong. And the Sousa wasn't the only one to experience that. Uh, one of the mothers of the three girls named Luisa uh, stated that it smelled worse than sulfur and that it lingered for about three weeks and that it was pretty bad. It was pretty uh, it was almost intolerable. And according to the same article with the New York Post, uh, she mentions uh, that she believed that she also caught a glimpse of the same creature. So she also you know, tells the press uh, after the, the girls make their statement that she says she thinks she saw the thing as well, um, but doesn't elaborate, uh, of course, just reiterates what the girls had told her and says that she thought she saw it as well. Yeah. And you have to wonder the smell of that sulfur that, I mean, I doubt it, it's coming from the alien beings or the creatures themselves, but it could very well have been, uh, have something to do with that white smoke that was seen coming out of that craft that, uh, you know, careened and crashed into the ground. But, uh, yeah, there were even reports from sources here in the United States that indicate the, the Virginia alien may have been transported to none other than Area 51, which only adds to the hysteria that the Brazilian government and the U.S. Air Force were working together I mean, they probably still are working together, and I'm sure all part of NORAD and, you know, uh, the U.S. government and Canadian governments are probably working together. So oh, yeah, that's part of U.S. Uh, Southern Command, um, yeah. combined commands that involve other countries. Uh, yeah, that that's ongoing. Um, yeah. yeah. So so Carlos de Sousa gave uh, every detailed description on Fox do uh, documentary. Uh, he said that it was um, uh, it was floating and slowly losing altitude it looked like a washing machine struggling like fighting to keep its uh altitude and uh, the side of it was completely torn and it had the white smoke coming out it wasn't black smoke like from a fire at the time he said this is his quote at the time i thought it was like an aircraft in trouble an airplane so i decided to follow it so he gives a very vivid description and a very, you know, detailed, a very you know, precise description. Uh, it's using rather 
technical jargon. He, he seems like he has some knowledge of aircraft and how aircraft maneuver and, and fly. Um, so it means he may have, you know, maybe had a good imagination or maybe something really happened that got so pretty well fixed into his memory that he just has like a photographic image in his mind from seeing this. And he had the ability to give a good description almost on a technical level. You know, why did he say, you know, white smoke instead of black smoke or even just saying smoke in general, he noted that the color was white and, you know, the size, he, he took notice of the size saying that it was a school bus. Um, why a school bus? Why not a truck? Uh, he said it's shaped like a submarine. He didn't say it was as big as a, a submarine. So he really almost painstakingly gave a description, um, which showed he put a lot of, either a lot of thought into it, or, uh, it, it really left an impression on him that he, he's, he deliberately took note of these details. He knew something big was happening and he wanted to take note of details. Uh, so something about it made him think of school bus and, and submarine and, and washing machine. And we've all encountered similar situations when we see something and we want to compare it to something else uh, as quickly as we can, you know, relay the information without getting into things like measurements and, you know, angles and stuff like that. And it seems pretty obvious that the whole experience profoundly impacted Desusa as, you know, 26 years later, uh, when he returned to the crash location with Fox's film crew, he broke down crying. Now, you can say he faked the crying. Um, but really, we can't tell that for sure. Um, it could very well have been a genuine cry. Who knows? Um, but, you know, why Why did he cry? If it was a genuine cry, then the incident, uh, you know, perhaps it really was something that caused quite a bit of emotions to stir up in Sousa and maybe even traumatized them to a certain degree. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, what you're saying about how we relate things in similar situations uh, just think of that Tic Tac UFO. Those pilots were you know, very smart people. They're intelligent people, fighter pilots. And, you know, for them to see what they saw, you know, they probably didn't have a good estimate on the size, but they were able to see its shape and its form. And the first thing that came to that pilot's, pilot's mind was it looked like a flying Tic Tac. <laughs> right. So, like, there's no other, no better word for it than something as basic as that. Instead of getting into, you know, had the angle of, you know, 30 degrees and, you know, had a certain curvature right. that was similar to, you know, a, a certain spacecraft or, a, you know, a design of a, the features. Tic-tac, that's the first thing that pops in. It's almost like it goes to a basic way of thinking when when you're traumatized, when you, you're just simply at a loss for words. Right. I mean, he could have came up and said a Tylenol capsule for all three, you know. Yeah. Right. Yes. But but some people came against the three young ladies and, and their mother claiming they received money for the interviews. Well, I mean, so I mean, that's OK. Uh, people get paid for interviews to, you know, to tell intriguing stories all the time. That, that alone doesn't make them less credible. Um, but the moment someone receives payment telling a story like this one, it's, oh, it must be fake or it's not true because, uh, you know, they're making money off of it. You know, therefore, you know, they must have made it up. Now, <laughs> um, according to Adify.app, videos were made by Vittorio Pacassini, who uh, we mentioned him earlier, you did, uh, with statements from soldiers and other personnel who were, you know, part of the Virginia case. One of them is named Margarita Halicock. And she was interviewed many times, which made her a, a great source of information. And Halicock 
was motivated to put all of her statements in writing. So, and get this, so that if her memory ever fails her, this experience will be preserved in the pages for all to see and read. Interesting. Yeah, uh, app continued by saying that the Brazilian army's secrecy surrounding the Virginia case suggests that there may be certain information that the population as a whole is not prepared to know. We are all familiar with this line, especially when it comes to aliens and UFOs. Yeah, you're not prepared to know, or as the famous line goes in A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> Uh, you're right there, Lori. Uh, and and with that, um, we'll end today's episode. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed the topic of discussion, and hope that it got you thinking and you know wondering about all this and the, and the many other uh, stories that are out there uh, that are surrounding the UFO phenomenon. Yeah, hopefully we'll be with you all next time when we uh, get the chance to interview Nancy Thames. Um, well-known disclosure advocate and extraterrestrial experiencer. And we are sure it will be uh, another great episode for you all to enjoy. So check out our website and we'll get some of those photos uh, put up there uh, that we were talking about earlier for all of you to see. Thank you for joining us. As always, folks, stay safe out there and stay curious.